Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery. I'm here, as always, with... My name is Billy. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. I just wanted to thank a couple people. Some of our, our key people have reached out to me recently and thanked us for some really good episodes lately, the last couple in particular. And I appreciate that. That means a lot to us always. Feedback about it and, and how it introduces more conversation for me throughout the week with some of these individuals like Stephanie and, and Jenny. It, it means a lot to me. It furthers my recovery for one, but two, sometimes we're sitting here and I'm like, are we only talking to ourselves? Are we helping anybody? Like, is this really even useful? And so to he- get that feedback, it just always brightens my day a little bit and reinforces that I can't wait to show up next Sunday and do this again. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely encouraging. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about relationships a little more. It's a topic we'll probably explore for the rest of the time we do this podcast, <laughs> however many months or years that ends up being, because it's so relevant. It's everything, relationships in general. Of course, today we're going to specify more about romantic relationships, I guess, but how that works with somebody who entered into a relationship with somebody in recovery as well. And ended up with the marriage and the kids and what kind of thought was put into what might go wrong, if any, and, and what can go wrong and how that influences you from there on and, and your dating habits and what you decide to do. I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting episode. You got any thoughts about it before we get started? No, other than I just think it's such a hard topic. You know, relationships are so many people struggle with them when you look at divorce rates and things in this country anyway, that for addicts. We're doomed. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> we're fucking doomed anyway. Right. And there's what? It's at least 50% divorce rate. So at least half of relationships don't work already. And then you're taking in the possibility that we're completely self-centered or we might pick up and use drugs again, which makes it even worse. And Yeah. And the divorce rate doesn't even count the ones that are just terrible that people are in that they feel either stuck or aren't leaving for whatever reason, kids, money, career, whatever reasons are stuck in them. So it's probably like 25% of marriages are good. If you just took a microcosm of your own life, how many relationships have you been in? And so if you've been in 10, only one of them worked, obviously, right? (laughs) Like uh, nine of them didn't. And so if you look at that ratio... That's everybody's life. Everybody's got <laughs> right. 15 failed relationships and one that worked. So that's not a good average. But I think there's just the age-old debate, at least in my head at all times, of do you date in the program or out of the program? You know, obviously, we know there's good and bad to each, but which one outweighs which, if any. And I like to keep exploring that from different perspectives. And 
see what that means to other people. Yeah, and I'm I always fall into that. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, you know. <laughs> like, right. I'm yeah. in a relationship with someone in recovery, so I'm painfully aware of the issues that come along mm-hmm. with that. So obviously, it must be easier if the person's not in recovery. <laughs> like Absolutely. it's so easy to assume that with no basis of experience. <laughs> All right, so we'll get ready to bring on Stacy, and we'll see if she has that same take on it. So we're here with Stacy, and Stacy is going to talk a little bit about her relationships and having children in recovery and, and relationships in recovery and how that works when you have relationships with people who maybe are also in recovery or not in recovery. But to start off, we're going to let Stacy introduce herself and tell us just a little bit about how she got here. Hey, guys. So I'm Stace. I am an addict. <laughs> that matters. So how I got here was obviously because I was an addict. I came in actually with another using addict. I had 31 years clean. I came in when I was 19. I am now 50. I have been here the whole time. I've been in recovery the whole time, I should say. Have not dabbled with anything. I've been lucky enough to come in and not use since then. And I don't know if that's out of desperation or what it was, but I came in. And it's funny because relationships is probably what brought me here because I really just hated me. And I was thinking about this laying in bed this morning. This is really crazy about All the sexual relationships I had where I was looking for real relationships and what I was thinking, I don't know why it came to me this morning, but there was not even a chance for any relationship because most of my relationships were based on sex. And I used to think that it was them just wanting sex from me. And then I thought about it and I was like, all of mine were really, I didn't really care to get to know them that well. I just wanted to have sex. I don't know how to explain that. And I guess if I went through my story more, but I think it started out that I thought I always blame it on 70s porn because, you know, they hook up, they have sex, they don't talk, right? They fuck. Maybe that's where I thought it all came from. I don't know, but that's how it all started. They come at me, sexual, I'm all about it. I do the best I can and maybe they'll like me, maybe they won't. I always gave it up to them. So came in with an addict and I guess they were looking for the same thing and it didn't work out because they found someone else. It was always about pick me, pick me, pick me. You know, I always felt like, pick me. You know, I felt like it was like a game. Like back when we played volleyball, pick me, pick me. You know, am I good enough? Am I good enough? And, you know, and if I wasn't picked, I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I think that's where most of it came from. So go a little bit forward. You know, I had many relationships in NA, a lot of the same feelings. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? So I met my husband, my major relationship, my real one, like where someone got to know me and I got to know them because the rest of them were just based on that. I don't even know what they were based on. If I cry in this, I'm going to be really pissed off because I feel it already. So I guess I had nine years, 10 years. When I tell my story, I talk about, I came here with a guy from Florida. I came to Baltimore because I'm trying not to find me. And I found myself in Florida. I moved back to Maryland. And I found it with a guy that I met in a bar who stopped drinking because he loved me. And in my mind at the time, I guess he stopped loving me because he started drinking. And it got ugly. And I had been away from NA for a little while, so I hadn't done much work. And I found myself coming to NA again, finally doing some work and got into another relationship trying to fix myself. And again, it was meaningless. It lasted for a year, but it was meaningless. Once again, I didn't feel picked. You know what I mean? It didn't work out. Like I was like, don't you know who I am, what I'm going to be? You know, I was young and younger than him and school and 
And then I started doing step work. I really don't know if I could have lasted this long without step work. I can't even tell you where I'd be. I would probably be been beaten up, battered wife, battered woman. Who knows where I would have been without step work? I do, do not know. So I was getting over a relationship, I thought. And I didn't want to be with anybody else. So I just really dove into step work really hard. Started finding my worth. Other people started seeing my worth, which felt really good, you know, and I mean, and I don't mean sexually or relationship wise or anything like that. I mean, you know, people started asking me to sponsor them and I started making my network got bigger and I just started feeling better about myself. And when they say you will love you until you can love yourself, I really believe that's the truth, because I used to always say, if they love me and they are so fucking awesome, then maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something there. So, you know, just continuing to do step work. I, I did. I found out who I was and I started like me and I did a lot of affirmations, which I spon- I sponsor a lot of women. And, and I feel stupid because I used to think my sponsor was so wanky, like you're a beautiful child of God. And I'd be like, oh, my God, don't make me. But I was willing. I've always been willing. So I did it. I tell girls this 30 years later, same thing. Just say it in your head. You might think it's stupid. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it to yourself. You know, I remember wanting to be in love. So I just want to be in love. I just want to be I just want to be loved. I just want to be in love or I love myself or whatever I would say. And I feel like it just started. It just happened. I guess positive prayers or whatever you put out in the universe. See, I bought this program. Can you tell? I like bought in all 100 percent. I bought in. So my husband comes around. This is like the perfect story. The perfect storm. He comes in, he's cute as can be. He's four years younger than I am. He just gets out of jail. Just gets out of jail. Shy, fucking cute as shit. And, uh, you know, he's built because he just got out of jail. And he's in a halfway house, and I am really involved in recovery, and I'm involved in H&I. I'm H&I chair at this time, I think. You know, I used to flirt with guys just to get them involved in H&I. That's how I used to get all my panel leaders. (laughs) Gotta use what you can, right? I don't know. It It was a very slow process, and we started talking and he went out on a first date, which I'd really never been out on a first date after all this time. I'm 28 or something. Takes me to the aquarium and one of those first dates that lasts forever. It did last forever. He didn't go home that night, but it wasn't because he moved in or we had sex. It was just because we like we enjoyed each other's company. And it was like that the world tells you to do it. We dated for a year, which, you know, I loved him, even though he's imperfections. Like he had a rap sheet, you know, it wasn't too big. He was young. I was 28, so he was 24. We dated for a year. We moved in together. We got engaged. We bought a house. Then we had kids. And I don't know what happened. You know, we had our own separate home groups. You know, I never really looked outside of N.A. Well, I think I did have a couple one night stands outside of N.A., but like work or something. But most of the time I was looking for a relationship inside of N.A. I really wasn't. I don't know. Before John, there really wasn't a whole lot of that went on. But he was... He was the one who saved, he saved me. I saved him. It was one of them things. So it was perfect. And um, I thought it was perfect. He thought it was perfect. His family thought it was perfect. My family thought it was perfect. You know, a lot of NA thought it was perfect. We bought the house with the fence. You know, the white picket fence, it actually did. We had our babies. Quit my job and stayed at home. It was just fucking perfect. You know, he had a sponsor. I had a sponsor. He did recovery. He did step work. He went and worked out for his mental health. You know, it was just what it's supposed to be. I don't know what happened. One thing is that he had a secret that I knew about that nobody else knew about, and he couldn't share it. And I think that's one. What if you can't get past that fourth step? You know, it's really hard because you hate yourself a lot. And two is that I'm not perfect. I think years after we were separated, I still had his, hopefully he can't hear this, but um, I read his journals and 
he loved me. And when I had kids, I think that he wasn't my main focus anymore. I mean, I don't know if you guys can identify with that. Yeah. You know, and he used to say in NA, like, I'm Stacy's husband. I'm Stacy's husband. It wasn't like he was John. He was Stacy's husband. You know, I had already been here for a while and had already been involved, you know, when I introduced him and people knew him, he was Stacy's husband. So he found his strength in work and he got to be making around six figures by the time it was over with. By the time we got to where, you know, we ended up selling the house and buying a new house. But what happened was, so I had my second child, the first one, and like even we were good teams, even throughout everything. And uh, so I had a bad epidural when I gave birth. And um, I guess a weekend, maybe a weekend, the doctor called, a nurse calls, and I answer the phone and she says, you know, the doctor had got your message and said that he cannot refill your prescriptions anymore until you come in and visit him. And I was floored because I'm a good addict. You know, I try to take stop taking them when I can. He said that I he had filled a couple prescriptions already because my husband had called the pain line and said that I needed them. I was in a lot of pain and I needed them. But first thing I did is I called his sponsor. And I was like, what does this sound like? Because they are really, still really good. My His wife is my best friend and we're still really good friends. And I said, what does this mean? And he said, sounds like he's using and he's got to get clean. I said, like, what if he doesn't want to get clean? You know, like, and that is something I had no idea what to do with. I was taught you did not live with a, a using addict. You know, it was like against the rules for us, I guess it was like, right. I don't, I don't even know how to describe. I didn't know anything different. Like not like today where you, I see successful relationships where the other person, man or woman is on Suboxone, Methadone or whatever. And they live happily ever after. Or I did do Al-Anon, you know, it was the first place my sponsor sent me. Where, you know, you learn that you can still live your life in your recovery and focus on you living with an addict. I couldn't be one of them, one of those. And I probably don't want to step on each other. I can say an AA bird that's got a husband who's an alcoholic or something. Personally, I couldn't do it. I've seen it happen. It happens. And um, I couldn't do it. So I called him and I asked him and he gave it up. Yeah, I've been using. Mm. And I think once a cat got out of the bag, it made it easier for him to use. Like I said, you got to get clean. So my story is six years of that off and on. You know, he tried to get clean. He didn't get clean. Instead of going to meetings, he'd sit at the bar. Find out he was selling drugs through his work. Like the guys he worked for, he was using them. And I don't even know the whole story. I still don't even know the whole story. But to find out, you know, like when he would get clean, he would tell me parts of the story. But he, you know, he was... Sending guys to Florida to, to pick up shit, cocaine, and using it through work. Like, there's business down there, and they would, it's just crazy shit. And I'm sure that, you know, when we're using, we think that we're, like, rock star drug dealers and shit. I'm sure he thought that. You know, so he wasn't coming home. There was one night he didn't come home at all with my car. And, of course, you know, the fear that we have is we're blowing up their phone and shit. They're not answering. I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been through any of that. If you've done it, if you haven't done it, but really shitty on our side and i've been on the other side as well so i tell people this you know we don't realize what we're doing to our families until you become that family you know and it it sucks and it's hard this episode has been brought to you by voices of hope inc a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in maryland voices of hope is made up of people in recovery family members and allies together Members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. 
please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And when he finally did come home, it's crazy. I think I just laid down the law. I was like, you will never, ever not come home. You know what I mean? Like, I believe that I married you forever. All those things that we say through sickness and health, sometimes I think there should be an et cetera, like, except for when you fucking become a drug addict motherfucker and you take everything and you steal everything. And you know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Because it's a decision that's really hard to make. You know, we were, like I said, we were good. Even our kids are like, you know, I remember this, I remember that. But it took a long time for me to make a decision. And I see people who go through it now and I'm like, you know, you never know until you know. Like you just get to a point where you know. You know, we sold the house and bought a new house or built a new house. And uh, that was all property and prestige. You know, I said to him, we shouldn't do it because, you know, you're using and we can't get along. And, you know, and I resented, you know, he would go to meetings. And like I said, he wouldn't go to meetings. And I'd be resentful because he was doing a 90 and 90. It was always you have to do a 90 and 90 every time. And he wasn't doing it. And I wasn't doing meetings. I'm staying home with two kids. So it was just it was horrible. And I would wake up every single morning when he would leave. I would call my sponsor every single morning. I would call her and I was like in a date. What do I do today? What do I do? You know, like, am I supposed to focus on him or am I supposed to focus on them? Am I supposed to focus on me? What do I do? You know, usually when someone's using, you just want to, it's all about that person. You just make it all about that person. And I played the victim for a while. I went into meetings and I would share, you know, my husband's using, he's lying, he's whatever. And I probably owe him amends for that because I didn't have to beat him up. And that made him scared to come back to NA. Like I made a lot of mistakes, you know, and of course, I live the steps, I will rectify them. So that went on. And, you know, he went to, he even went and lived in a halfway house for a while. Like, what are you supposed to do? All you know are the things that NA tells you to do. We went to therapy, you know, and to find out he lied through therapy the whole time. He just did it just to fix things. You know what I mean? For the time being, it was all he knew how to do. He didn't want to stop using, but he didn't want to give up his life. It got so bad that he had a sexual addiction as well. So he would just, it, it got worse when he was, and I didn't even know about that until the cocaine came. Like that cocaine showed that, you know, like it was visible. So he would lock himself down in the basement, but it ended up being where I moved down the basement because he wouldn't leave. Our house was big enough to where I could do that. And it got like fucking crazy to where I'd be sleeping and he would be standing over top of me. Like just crazy shit. Things that I don't even want to mention for other people to hear. And, um, he would call me at work and, and I didn't really even work. I was a volunteer because I was a stay-at-home mom. I went to at the elementary school and he would call the school and be like, you have to put these things in your name because I'm going to cut them off. And then, so long story short is, I don't know how much of this you wanted to hear, but finally asked him to leave. He wouldn't leave. I finally went and asked the cops to give him, what's it called? A uh, restraining order. Thank you. And so when I talked to the cop, they're like, it probably won't happen, but you can try it anyway. You know, and at this time I was fearing for my life and the kids. It was very fucked up. Like I didn't realize cocaine could make you that crazy. I knew crack could, but I didn't know cocaine could. And they gave it to me. And that's where the process started. So it was really, really ugly. Very, very painful. I don't know if he's clean today. I think he's clean. 
he lives in another state, but he did a lot of jail time. It took him away. You know, it took him away from the kids. It took him away from everything. You know, he ended up getting locked up first stealing because that's what we have to do to, you know, and he ended up putting a needle in his arm and he became a junkie and house to house to house to house to house. Like it was always a different address. You know, he took the kids to cop and it's just crazy, crazy shit. But it's what drugs do to you. So I don't know if that's his story or my story, but I dated a couple guys after that in recovery, but it was the same story. Somehow along the line, I had still looking for the same thing. You know, maybe it was because I wasn't fixed yet. Date a couple guys online and, you know, a couple guys that drank and I let myself be subjected to that. Like, why do you always have to drink? Why do you have to always drink? And once again, I was still in the mindset where they didn't pick me. I still felt like I was. Right. And then I don't know. I found Mike and he was a nice guy and I got to know him. So I think really would I date another guy in recovery? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Hopefully I'll never have to. Everybody's got shit. Right. I mean, I sponsor a lot of women who are married and a lot of are married to a lot of men that are in recovery and they still got shit. Isn't it basically just about working a program, being the best you can be? You know, my boyfriend is not in recovery. He respects us and he listens. Like, so I said to him this morning, today's his birthday. And I said, you know how you got me? Because you were a nice guy. He adopted two kids that weren't his and he's raised them. And the mom is nowhere around mom or dad. I figured that was a respectable thing to do. So and he was didn't make moves on me. Like, I think I finally made the move. And we got to know each other. But, you know, he was a little shady character. He's from Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? A little shady. I say to him, you're a Scorpio. I didn't realize you were a sneaky motherfucker because Scorpios are sneaky motherfuckers. And he just laughs. But it's funny because this whole COVID thing, he works. I don't know if it's called under the table, I guess, where you have to claim your own taxes, self-employed or whatever. I said, you know what, motherfucker, you should have claimed unemployment this whole time we'd be sitting pretty because he works he said he does work and uh he said i can't i live with you i have to do the next right thing like so he (laughs) gets it you know what i'm saying like that's funny it is funny and he i'll say something to him like man something on the side of the road and i said we should pick that up and take that and he goes that's stealing we can't do like he gets it like he almost keeps me in check which is fucking cool it's just good it's good you know it's like I don't sponsor him or anything like that because it's not like that. Well, see, this is a thing Jason and I go back and forth about all the time. I tend to tell him that non-addicts don't need to work a bunch of steps to learn some of these principles on how to live. Like, they just get them through life. <laughs> like, I think people I are all fucked up. Uh, yeah. I think everybody should get it. I swear I would give this 12 steps to everybody. <laughs> you know, my parents are non-addicts, but they don't have the principles that we have. My dad is a sneaky son of a gun. He has, yeah. you know, he will work the system to his best ability. And look at all these other people working the system that aren't addicts. How many yeah. people are collecting unemployment? My daughter says, she said, there's so many people out there who have side gigs is what she calls them. Side gigs. Hustles. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. There's only a very few normal people that I know that are amazing. I think everybody could use a program. And I can't tell you how many normal people come to me with a lot of their So I'm curious, I think there's this, and maybe it's only in my head, but kind of this age old debate of do we date in the program or do we date out of it? And of course, you know, if you run down the list, there's positives and negatives to each direction. I had an experience dating in the program with somebody I really liked. We ended up using together. It didn't work out well. So I vowed to go the other direction, which I have. And I'm married to an earthling. Billy, on the other hand, is you know, married to somebody in the program. And there's definitely cool parts and and not so cool parts about each. But I think that overwhelming fear of 
the outcome. Like I know bad things can happen if you're dating an earthling too, but just that devastation that you just kind of described of what can happen to someone who doesn't stay in recovery. Was that ever a consideration during the get together, dating, marriage, have kids process? Did you ever think, God, this could really go bad? Who thinks like that? We are addicts. We live in the here and now. What feels good? We think about any of that. You know, yeah. like this person's going to break my heart. This person's going to hurt me. Shoot, if I would have thought like that, I wouldn't have been in all those little mini relationships. Right? Right. I think it's really about water seeks its own level. Hmm. If you're a good person, you're going to attract a good person. If you're a shitty person, you're going to attract the same shitty person. Because you're accepting that in your life. You know, just like I said with Jenna, what I accepted from her and her behavior She's going to give it. She's going to get away with whatever she can. And when I put my foot down and said, that's not going to work anymore, it changes. So I think it's really about water seeking its own level. Well, and it sounded like in the beginning, I guess, he was working a program and doing all the things he needed to do. I mean, how long did that last? Like, was that a while or was that a couple of years? Or? So I want to say John had six years clean when he relapsed, maybe. You know, when I got pregnant, I was devastated. Because we were living the life. I mean, we had bought the house. We were doing some traveling. You know, it was like we were good. How many couples have you seen that come in and they they go hard together with the recovery? You know what I mean? You see them and they're hard. And then life happens and one person's doing hard. The other person's doing what's responsible or whatever. And it just, if you do not be vigilant, I really believe. Or this is what my sponsor says. Sometimes you just want to use more than you want to stay clean. Or you want to stay clean more than you want to use. I've never forgotten what it's like. When it comes to dating outside of recovery, I'm thinking about all my friends and I look at them because I go, what's it like? You know, what's it like dating somebody who's using or I don't know anybody who's dating anybody who's smoking crack. (laughs) And I don't know anybody who's dating somebody who's shooting heroin. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Do I know anybody who dating somebody who doesn't use at all that nobody uses? I don't know. Normal people. Do you know anybody normal? My parents aren't normal. My dad's a pill popper. If I look at every relationship I know, I can pick out a behavior that I relate to an addictive behavior. It might not be drugs. I mean, I, my mother has always had a weird relationship with money and shopping and debt like that I've considered an addictive sort of behavior. So I, I think we all have something personally. That's my kind of take on it. Hell yes. So perfect. Good job. My boyfriend lives on Marketplace. (laughs) He wakes up and grabs that phone to the time he goes to bed. And if he hasn't bought something every single day or shows me something that I want, and that would be his fix. If you come over here and look at my garages and see how many tires and whatever, because it's crazy. You know, I'm going to fix this up and sell it. I'm going to mechanical. He's mechanical. So... Yeah, that is his. My mom is a QVC shopper. One thing they did have was money and they could spend it. And if I had the money she spent on shit, I could live good. But she said, finally, she just came to this conclusion, like hit her bottom, that she did it because she wasn't happy with her life. Mm. Finally, she had that aha moment. Like, I don't need any of this stuff. I just do it because I don't like my life. I'm not going out and traveling and I'm not going out and doing all these things. So I just spend. And, you know, that aha moment. Yeah. My mother's a home shopping network person. <laughs> what about even good stuff? Fishing. Well, some people are obsessed with the fishing. Yes. You know, I don't, is it good? Is it bad? Does it make their life unmanageable? How about hunting right now? Hunting, fishing, working out. Yeah. I, I would say 
it has made my life and the people who I've seen do it to the obsessive level. It does make it a little unmanageable, but is it bad? I don't think my life was bad. It, it was a little chaotic, but it wasn't necessarily bad. Like, yeah, I probably missed a meeting because I was at the gym an extra night or, or I missed an hour with my wife and kids because I went to the gym, but it didn't really play out to where I was terrible, I guess. So how about when you're taking care of yourself like that? John used to say that the gym is where he felt like he was meditating. He felt like that's when he got with his God. You know, some people do it driving. You know, some people just get on the road and just drive. Different people, different things. So, okay, so someone who paints or does artwork and stuff, when they're locked up in a room by themselves and they're not spending it with their family, is that, I mean, what, what? Where do you draw the line on any of that? Wherever it's comfortable, I guess. I guess it's wherever it's acceptable. And again... What behavior is acceptable to you? How many times do you hear wives say, you're not spending enough time with the family. We're not doing enough of this. We're not doing enough of that. Is that a red flag? My wife and I can get into that debate, argument, whatever you want to call it, over recovery stuff because she's got a good amount of time clean. She sponsors a lot of women. She gets asked to speak a lot of places. And if if she's not paying close attention, I mean, she could be gone four nights a week, you know, and when we had younger kids, that was a lot, you know, now our kids are older, so it's not as bad. And and it's funny, you were talking about their recovery going hard stuff, like we're getting back to that side of things now. So we went to a lot of meetings and did a lot of stuff early in recovery. Then we had kids and all that slowed down. And now our kids are older. So we get some time together. But yeah, I would get resentful actually of the program because she would be asked to go out and do all these things. And I would be home with the kids. And it was a Just recovery could be the argument. And I think John could have resented that as well because it was the same. Now, though, I tell you, my boyfriend's like, go, go. And I think that's because he needs that time for him, you know, Mm. go. I one of the things that I regret and that I uh, wish that I could make up is I did a lot of that going. Remember, I'm a single. I was a single mom. I did a lot of that running when my kids were little. I feel like I'm trying to make up for that now, which is really weird because they're 18 and 20. You know, they don't want me around as much, but they still need me because they're heading out in the world now. And, you know, the world's a lot different than going to school all day long and then coming home and have dinner and, you know, doing your homework and going to sleep. I try to be home for them now or be around for them more. It's really something I regret because I was always there for the big stuff, but a lot of the little stuff I feel like I missed. I feel like, you know... I still fucked them up even though I was in recovery the whole time. Yeah, I think we all tend to pass on a lot of that. Like, recovery doesn't make us better overnight or great overnight. So it's like such a process. I've given my kids, 10 years ago, I was giving them a much, what I would look at today as a much uglier part of me. And then today, yeah, I get to do a little better with the information I have, but I wasn't capable then. I didn't even see it. Right. It's helpful, but it's not the solution for sure. My daughter said to me when we were fighting, she said, why don't you start journaling again? You used to be so spiritual. She said, it's been helping me because she's picked up a lot of stuff from my recovery. She said, and it wasn't a nice thing she was saying. She was saying, (laughs) you used to be so spiritual. Why don't you start journaling again? It's been helping me. And, you know, I think some of that was her state of mind as well because she was very angry with me. But I just, I don't know. I just want to make it all right. I want it to be like if you see it on TV, my family. Mm, Hallmark. Yeah, which is bullshit. How much do you think that incredibly painful experience that you related to us today, how much do you think that informed you for dating away from the program afterwards? Like, do you think that was a big deal? Like, I don't ever want to go through somebody using again? I don't think there's a solution, really. Like I said, I dated a couple guys that 
I found they were still alcoholic. Mm. I think I fell in love with one right before Mike, and he was a true fucking alcoholic. I mean, I wished I could have gotten him clean, but he was wishing he could get me drunk before. Mm. We were electric, but that wasn't working. I thought I could do it. I don't know. You know, I think I could have saved someone. Obviously, it didn't deter me. I dated a bunch of guys after my husband that were in recovery. Right. But again, I was doing unacceptable stuff. So, you know, what do you, I don't know. What would you say? You're married. Would you, would you date again in the recovery? Would you date outside of recovery? What would you do? Both of you. I mean, for me, it would be terrifying to go back to having to worry about. For me, and I'm always like, oh, if they had like 15, 20 years clean, I wouldn't have that fear. But it's not true. Like those people can get high too. And I've seen it. So that's just terrifying to me. I, I can't imagine having that. But I, I do understand what you're saying where it doesn't even matter if it is somebody that's not in a program, it might still be that type of person that can lose it anyway. Like they don't have to be in recovery to go back. They could just be back there already. I'm not aware of it until it comes out. I don't know that I would date in recovery again. I yeah. would. Nah, probably not. That's funny because you just said both y'all in recovery. You're both getting involved more. And that's funny. We are. It's. I don't know. I, I, I have a very optimistic view of healthy people i know there's a lot of sick people out in the world but i think there's healthy people that have good morals and values (laughs) and not that my wife doesn't she's an amazing woman and i love her to death it's just we've been on that roller coaster over the years so there's time she's doing well there's time she's not doing so well and then vice versa you know how much we're working on ourselves and how much we're investing into our recovery and that ebbs and flows for each of us throughout the years and the times that we're both like working on ourselves and doing well seems a lot less than the times that we're not. <laughs> I think that everybody in the entire world has that Evans love. That's how we have our stories. I mean, my sponsor had a relationship group when I first, when I was engaged to my husband. And there were people there who had been married 20 years, 15, five, whatever. And everybody had a story. There was infidelity. There was money issues. They were broke up and moved back together. And that's when I learned, like, there's no perfect world. There's nothing. And these people came back together. They worked through those issues together. And some were in the program. Some were in Al-Anon. Some were, you know, her husband at the time wasn't in the program. And, and that used to make me think, like, should I have stayed? Dude, I stayed six years. I sometimes question, should I have stayed? Would it have worked out? Mm-hmm. Could it have worked out? But at six years, I gave it my best shot. I did everything I could to save that relationship. And who was suffering? Me and my kids were suffering. And right. well, I mean, I moved on because it was dangerous at the time and it just never came back together. And so that was one of the questions I was thinking about asking and you've kind of already answered it. You know, how do you know when to support that person further and try to assist them versus when to, I don't want to say call it a day, but say I've done the best I can and I need to protect myself and my loved ones now. And you kind of mentioned that already that it was, you know, basically, you know, when you know. But I'm assuming during that six years, you were thinking this guy's going to get back on track. He's going to get back to meetings. Did you think that after the six years, too, like even after you left, did you just kind of assume he would get it one day? Well, I sat and watched. You know, I waited. So I was in limbo for a long time. 
I was in limbo until I bought my house. For a long time, I was like, whomever I ended up with, we're going to live where they want to live. It was always about giving them the power. And when I bought my house, I was like, finally, like, fuck this. I got this. This is all about me now. And that's when it all came together for me. But I just kind of sat and watched. If he would have gotten clean, I don't know. People ask that question a lot. People have always mm-hmm. asked, would you and John? Because we were good. We were very good together. You see couples like that every once in a while. But I can't say. I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of shit went down. I mean, I don't, do I know if he was, if he cheated? I don't know. I mean, I know that he accused me of it a lot. So they usually say when someone's accusing you, it's because they're doing it. Right. Who'd say he'd come back to me? I did. I threw him under the bus, man. I made him look bad. I didn't give up his secrets or anything, but I just, who knows? It's a sad thing. But so much is about maturity and growing up. and Not to get too deep into, we kind of already have statistics and an understanding of how kids are affected by a parent that disappears or isn't around as much anymore or when the situation changes. But since he's left, since that six years, obviously they were probably witness to some not attractive things during that period of time when things went downhill. But since then, what has his involvement with the kids been, if at all? Well, he'd been in jail for a long time, so there wasn't much. He saw him afterwards. He saw him a little bit, which I enjoyed because then I got a free time. But then it got to be where I found out that I think one night I got called in the middle of the night from one of the guys at the halfway house and said that John had gotten picked up and the kids were asleep. He had gone out. So when I had to go and pick him up that night, Jenna was really angry with me. I mean, Jenna, they were still so little. They were in elementary school and she was so mad. She's like, mom, why can't you just let me be, you know, let me stay with dad. I said, cause your dad's locked up in jail. You know what I mean? Finally. So the story was with my kids, they didn't know that their dad was an addict. They thought that I stopped loving him. I took the, whatever the fall and said Mm. that mommy doesn't love daddy anymore. And that's why we're not together. So for years, that was it until they saw his drug addiction. You know, daddy fell asleep on the toilet. Ha 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 ha. They seen the needle and Jenna said she's seen the needle and stuff in his drawer. Mm. And, you know, she remembers times when he's left her in the car and cop. I didn't keep him from him. He could come see him. I'd invite him over. He could spend the night at Christmas and get up. But you know what? There was a time when he was down and out and I let him spend the night. You know, that motherfucker was stealing mine. He would ask me, can I take your car and go get some dip? Chew in the morning. Motherfucker was stealing my bank card, getting money out of the bank every morning. And then, you know, he'd come back and act like nothing. And when I got, I think I had 20 years clean. I had around that time I let him stay. And uh, I had a ring. He had bought me a eternity ring, infinity ring or whatever it is, expensive ring, when he was trying to fix things. And he stole it and hopped it. Mm. And, you know, the shit that unacceptable comes into your house and takes stuff. So he wasn't allowed around the house anymore. And then he got locked up, left and right. You know, he's paying child support now. I'm just getting some. But they knocked off all the child support from him being in jail. He was in jail for years. I mean, he just got out a couple years ago. Two years, maybe. I mean, it hasn't been long. So he was locked up for a good long time. It's so tough. I mean, we know a person in our neighborhood who got into a relationship with someone, you know, and and planned kind of like you. It was just the fairy tale. They planned to spend their life with them and because of using they had to split and he passed away this past year and my daughter's mother has passed away at this point like she died of an overdose a couple months ago and it's just devastating it's devastating what it does to the lives of the families and you know how how do we navigate that i don't know i miss the fact that i think people who are in recovery together in relationships they can like go to convention weekends and hang out and i don't get that but at the same time recovery is kind of like my respite to get away from my family when I need a break too. So maybe it's better that way. Mine will go. He'll go. 
The problem is, is he gets bored because I'm too busy talking to a million people and he's standing there with his thumb up his ass, you know, and he's like, you just go and have a good time. You know, he'll go. He goes to almost heaven. And the, what we do now is we take the motorcycles up and we'll ride together, you know, and then he'll sit in a meeting with me or he can go do whatever he wants. So, so Michelle's my best friend. She's got plans for us 24 seven all the time. Like she could spend every day. And a lot of times, like we went camping two weeks ago, all the NA girls and Mike. You know, I mean, and they say they appreciate him because he keeps the fire going. He sets a camper up like he helps like when we're kayaking and somebody can't get out of a spot. He helps, you know, like he's a good doobie. So I don't have that issue. There was something uh, my kids. I was going to tell you this real fast. I have done more damage to my kids than my husband has not being around. You think so? Absolutely. And Jenna will tell you so. So one of the things Jenna brought up was the guys that I dated. And if I ever had a relationship and my girlfriend say to me, like, she has a problem with you trying to be happy or, you know, is your life or whatever it is. But should I have not had guys around her? Because obviously none of these relationships lasted very long, you know, so I don't know what I was teaching her, what I wasn't teaching her. Matt, what was I teaching Matt? So I'm the one who taught them what they got. They got all that stuff from me, not from him. He wasn't around to do any of that. The things that I see that them do is like, the way that he smiles or Matthew smiles like him or laughs like him. Or, but their shit comes from me. That's a very self-critical view of it. I do appreciate it and I understand. Like, yeah, you're around. So his damage that he's doing is the damage of not being there. Whereas you have the damage of the everyday I'm here all the time. But I think, you know, to mitigate that, you also have all the only good input too. Like he didn't do any good being away. You did all the good being there. I hear that a lot. Um, my girlfriend say that to me, that didn't raise their own kids, like somebody else raised them. They say that. You were there for everything. You didn't yeah. miss it. You did this. But when you're fighting with your kids, you know, she's got it. Jenna's got it. Matthew mm. keeps it to himself. But she will say, now that she's older, because it used to be, we don't have this. We don't have that. Everybody has this. Everybody can do that. You know how kids are. Mm. Everybody's got whatever. Yeah, there's times when she'll blow smoke. Or tell me whatever, like, you did the best you could. I know you did. You know, you, you get it all. Just like we did for our family. How many times did we come in saying our families were dysfunctional? Yeah. I was the dysfunction. They were fine. <laughs> if I would have, like, backed off and did the right thing, they wouldn't have been dysfunctional. Mm. My dad wouldn't have done the things he did. He wouldn't have, you know what I mean? Things wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have wrecked all the cars or gotten been in his face saying shit that I, sh you know? So did I come from dysfunction? I don't know. Did I? I won't answer for you. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, did my kids, me and Jenna, we've been into, you know, I've chased her up the, the steps to, like, go after her. Is that dysfunction? Did she come from dysfunction? Like, did I teach her that? What Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When I say all that, like, she never has any memories of her father chasing her around, trying to grab her hair or, you know what I mean, or, or yelling at her or... Yeah, but she doesn't have any memories of him coming over to hug her or get Christmas or birthday presents or take her out to eat or any of that either. My kids don't even think about it. They don't even think about it. They have never been like, they really call him dad because they know that he's her father. Like he said, she's like, what's he got for me? That's how they feel. I mean, they spend time with them. They try to get to know him, but they don't know him. Would you say your overarching relationship experience or thoughts on it are, it really doesn't matter if they're in the program, in recovery, struggled with drug addiction before, or completely separate from any of that, that it really only matters how much work you've done on yourself because you're going to attract someone at that level 
wherever that's at at the moment. And so, yeah, we can say the fears of addiction are terrible, but we can attract just as much ugly outside of the rooms or, or recovery as well if we're not in a good place ourselves. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> good job. I mean, that's a very, I mean, it's almost a political answer, but it's a pretty <laughs> good answer because I feel like that's a, like, do you date in the program? Do you date outside the program? I guess if you're not working on yourself, it really doesn't matter much at all. I mean, if you want to date, what are you looking for in dating? If you want to date and have a good, like, I could date somebody and we'd go on the boat, we could have a great time. Or I could go, you know, away to Vegas and we could have a great time. Do I want to be in a relationship with that person? Mm, it's a whole different story. Do you know That's what I'm interesting. saying? Interesting. I've never dated without the intent of hopefully a relationship more yeah. <laughs> at some point. So when right before I met Mike, that's where I got, and that is the best. So I dated online. I found him on Plenty of Fish, and I found a couple other things that I threw back, or they threw me back, or whatever it was. <laughs> but I always say now that God did for me what I couldn't do for myself, but thank God that I did not end up in those relationships because I friended them on Facebook and I watched. Mm. And I watched and thank God that I didn't end up there because, you know, I was settling. I was settling. And that's because of where I was with myself. But I learned to date. Okay, we're going to go to a comedy club. That sounds like a lot of fun, you know. And if I wanted to see you again, we saw, I saw you again. If I didn't. But what I learned was I had my own power. I wasn't letting you make the decision no more. I got to make the decision. Do I like you? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Let's go out again. Do I like it? Nah, it's okay. Thanks. It was it was fun. Thanks. It took me a long time, 45 years to get there. Mm. And I wish, and that's what I try to teach the girls that I sponsor now. You don't have to pick him because he likes you. Do you enjoy, or you have fun together? Do you laugh? What is it you like about him? You know, so many people just settle. Mm. Money issues. Like, do you want to be in a relationship where the money, is, there's like, he's bad with money, so, but you have a lot of it, so you just keep. <laughs> I mean that, that does even out. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't find that one. <laughs> no, but it works. It's good. He's my road dog, and that's what matters. Oh, so this is the thing I was on recently with the girls I sponsor. I said to them, "So just if something happens to Mike, we don't we break up. Something happens. I don't know anything. Where would I be? Would I be back to pick me, pick me? Somebody looking for something to you know." Do I want a relationship or would I be okay with just where I'm at? Because right now I'm very okay with where I'm at. So what would that be? I can say all these things now because I've been with them for almost six years. Right. If I were back to square one, what would the situation be? That's the real deal. Am I still okay with whatever? Am I going to wait for someone that meets me at my level? And I would like to say yes, that I would, unless I was looking for something, something. But at now I think that, I'm very, I'm very okay. And I, again, that's the work that I've done. It's not, I would probably date in or out of the program, either or. And if I liked it, if it worked, then I'd do it again. Hmm. I do appreciate you coming on and sharing, Stacey. I think there was a lot to get out of what you said today. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you very much. I think you answered all the questions I had while you were just sharing your message. It was beautiful. I didn't even have to prompt you. I really had a good time, guys. We did, too. We did, too. I really appreciate you coming on, Stacey. Well, thank you so much. It was nice talking to you. I think that was awesome talking to Stacy. I mean, I think she had a lot of input. I think she has some really relevant life experience. It's one of the 
people that I'm familiar with that has one of the more difficult stories to hear, I guess, because it's just it's hard, right? You you have that perfect or what looks like a perfect scenario for you and then it comes crashing down and it's I you know, it makes me wonder about like the the yin and yang. It's like did if it was so great did it have to also be terrible? <laughs> like is that just how the world equals out or but just to hear it and what I found extremely tough was to hear her take so much blame or or credit for the tough stuff that's happened with her kids and the damage done like that's tough and i and i don't think she you know walks around in self-blame or or shame about that i think she's got a pretty realistic view of it but that's got to be really rough to know that the other party wasn't even there we know that's damaging because we talked about it last week with the aces but just to know that they didn't really have the input on a daily basis and the effect that you did is really hard. It was hard to hear her take that on. Yeah, that was difficult. You know, I, I wanted to sort of chime in <laughs> and start giving advice. And then I felt like I should just shut up and let her, you know, <laughs> that's her life. I'm not, who who am I to start giving her advice on that? But I did feel the same. I felt like, you know, from our conversation last week on the adverse childhood experiences and stuff that our kids really were already on the one just from their dad not being around you mm-hmm. know they that's they get a mark just for that and you know they're going through some tough stuff and it's hard to see how like when you're the only one there you have to take all the blame i don't know if that's necessarily true you know right. i don't agree with that because there's some harm done and some damage done when they look at their life and realize, hey, one of my parents isn't here and everyone else in the world has, or, you know, that's the way it looks to a kid. Mm-hmm. Everyone else around has this other person to support and love and fill in gaps of time and different emotional needs. I'm trying to think from my own perspective, like I don't take that on. Like I, I, I know I take on that I've done some damage to my kids. And honestly, I might overestimate how much damage I've done. I I really don't know. I just know I feel I've done a great deal at times when I wasn't as informed or, you know, as well at practicing spiritual principles in my parenthood. But I don't take it all on. Like, I know for sure their mother not being there has done quite a bit of damage to them. And I don't mitigate that at all. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's fucking, that's gotta suck. I, I can't imagine, but I'm not taking on what she did by not being there at all like that's got to really mess with your self-esteem and and everything else yeah and it her story a little bit got me to thinking too about you know how i would deal with my kids if if my wife used or Mm. you know if i would tell them that like i mean i'm i'm always a person that always goes with honesty i don't know that i would take fault i mean i obviously i would like to hope that i would be a good enough person not to like bash her or throw her under the bus but i don't know if i would be dishonest i'm not really sure that's so hard so i when i (laughs) when it happened that i took my daughters from their mother because i found out they were using i didn't see any other choice because i was like i'm not gonna let them see her it's not just you're coming to live with me it's you're coming to live with me and until i see something different out of your mother you're not gonna see her and so I had to sit him down and tell him. And, and like you said, I thankfully through this process didn't bash her whatsoever along the way. Like, and I feel really good about that. But I was always straightforward with him and let him know the deal. Like, this is what's going on. And this is why you can't, you know, we can pray for something better, but I, I can't put you in danger. Yeah. That might have been just me trying to save myself from being blamed. Yeah, I don't know. Right. <laughs> might not have been a, a, a great reason behind it. 
Yeah, that's whew. I mean, parenting's tough, you know, as it is, let alone with an absentee parent or, you know, someone who's not helping you or making things worse. I mean, it's yeah. so much harder. What do you think about the take that it really doesn't matter if the partner is in recovery or out of recovery? It's really all about where you're at and what are seeking its own level. Like I in general, I believe that. I think water does seek its own level and we meet people who are as healthy or unhealthy as we are. Like I, that's what I, you know, we kind of it's a magnet almost to an extent, but I guess for me I've always said, well, yeah, but people in recovery can continue to grow and if you're in recovery and continuing to grow and the person you met outside of recovery stops growing or never had that continue to grow even though everybody grows to some extent, you grow away from them. But I I don't know. I guess I agree with the idea in theory. And yet, if you tell people that end up with a sick partner that <laughs> they must have been just as sick, I don't think people want to hear that. Like, that's kind of rough. That would hurt my feelings. No. And I always like the water seeks its own level because I only had a few months clean when I met my wife and she had 12 years clean. So I always nice. like to look at the optimistic side of that is that I was doing I was way really better healthy. than <laughs> I came in here so much better than most of you people. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, uh, hilarious. No, I I, I kind of wanted to ask, and I feel like I know the answer to this, and I didn't ask it just for sake of time, but it's like I think that in my relationships, I'm, and this is personal and otherwise, I mean, it, it, they say in the literature, and I can't remember the exact saying, but it's like we all grow at different rates and, mm-hmm. and different paths of recovery, and like you said, we outgrow friends or sponsors or you know whatever just through sheer staying clean in the work that we do and the commitment to the recovery process but you know in relationships in my marriage like I find it's going way better when I'm taking care of myself and Mm. focused on my recovery and I'm actively engaged in you know steps and meetings and connection with a sponsor and and those things you know service work like when I'm at my best version of myself, I am so much better in my marriage, even at compromise or looking at the other person's point of view or being open minded. Right. <laughs> and so I wondered how that would have affected Stacy in her partner choices. Like, mm. did she have these ebbs and flows in her recovery? And if was it like. Could you see a correlation of like, well, you found this new guy who's healthy. Was that because you've been working on yourself more recently and and gotten better at that? I just I think it was incredible. I I loved her honesty that it's taken so long to Hmm. be okay with herself. And that's like why she was reaching out and what she was looking for in a lot of these relationships. And at the same time, for me, I think that's true, too. Like that was definitely a big part of my relationship seeking or sex seeking it was about validation it was about not liking myself and so i just think it takes an extremely like i i thought we were i was going to get through the 12 steps and i'd be fixed or i would get a couple years and be fixed and that portion that really deep-seated portion of not total self-acceptance or self-love i just think that is such a lifelong process and happens so slowly i'm like god i i can't get a healthy relationship by 10 years clean like come <laughs> on like i don't know I, I i mean but i definitely appreciated her her honesty about it and that that's just a, a long long process yeah it's amazing but yeah that about wraps it up today so 
like, rate, subscribe, all that great stuff. Share with us your experiences. We, we'd love to hear more about what you guys think about relationships. Feel free to reach out with us however you do on social media. And if you think this podcast will help anybody you know or, or they'd appreciate the topics and appreciate staying in a, a spiritual mind frame during the week, go ahead and share it with them and, and tell them we exist. And we'll see you all next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us. We'd love to hear it.